Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 17. While I'm thinking about it, because I'll get excited in a few minutes and I'll forget to mention this, and then this week y'all will think I'm run away, but I'm not. Me and my wife are leaving tomorrow morning with some good friends and going to Branson for the week just to kind of get away and unplug. So um, hopefully tomorrow morning we'll disappear and we'll be back next Monday. Monday week we'll be home. And so um, if you need something, just call the church office or Mike will be around all week. But we're going to go to Branson and I have to end up in Tulsa Saturday. A real good friend of mine, I think I mentioned several weeks back, died suddenly of a heart attack. And so I'm going to go... Um, do his memorial service in Tulsa. So we'll be up there Saturday and then we'll be traveling home Sunday. So just be praying for us this week that I can unplug and leave my phone in the car and not answer my phone this week and check emails and all that fun stuff. And then just pray that God moves through this memorial service because um, it was his wife and his daughters, when they called me, they was real clear. They said, they said, Dad wanted one thing. He, he's always told us for the last several years that if something ever happens to me, he wants you to come present the gospel at the funeral. So that's my purpose, as I'm going to present the gospel at my, at my friend's funeral. So, so we'll be up there. So, um, you know, the American dream is what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. And so when you think of the American dream, what do you think of? Somebody, give, what do you, quick word. What, what's the word you think of for American dream? Freedom. Say it again. Freedom. Freedom. What else? All right, faith, guns. guns, I'm all in. Somebody else, the American dream, what do you think of? Liberty. Liberty. So I, I was looking, because you know I like definitions and stuff. The American dream is the ideal of which equality, equality of opportunity is available to any American, allowing the highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. So basically what that's saying, the American dream, you can be who you want to be if you work hard enough. And the key words, work hard enough. I think too many people think, well, because my parents had it, I deserve it. No, your parents worked for it. And so, you know, so the American dream is you can do whatever you want to do, but you got to work to get there to get it. But I think a lot of times we fall into the, even the wrong concept of that, you know. And I know a lot of times when you think of the American, I put something out on Facebook the other day and I was reading through and I said, hmm, some people are missing what I'm asking. I put on Facebook, what's a show that depicts the American dream? And some of the responses was, hmm, we'll leave it like that. <laughs> so when I think of the American dream, I think of happy days. Who remembers happy days? You remember happy days and father knows best, old shows. You know, there's kind of like, you know, the mom, the dad, the kid. Whenever you think of the American dream, you think of, you know, a father, you know, a husband, a wife, and a boy and a girl, and the perfect pet, and a barbecuing and talking over the neighbor's fence and stuff like that. That's what you think of. You know, you have a good job, you have a good retirement and things. But, you know, I, I want to I bust the American dream this morning because nowhere in this does it say that. Nowhere in here does it say that that's what we're supposed to do. So let's read about it this morning in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, we'll start in verse 17. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, and he fell on his knees before him. He said, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, 
all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell and he walked, went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but then Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter, then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children in the fields along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who first, many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Father, we just come to you right now, Lord, just say that we love you, Father, and I thank you for this morning. Father, and I just ask, Father, show us what your dream is for us. Father, not the American dream. Father, not even our dream. Father, but what you want for us. Father, we love you. In son's name I pray. Amen. You know, so as you look at this and you start looking at this, this young guy, you know, and, and you really you have to go back and hit all the Gospels to put together who this is. Because right here it just says a man. But if you go back and if you look in, in Luke, it tells you that he's a ruler. And if you go back in Matthew, it tells you that he was young. You know, so that's where it comes up to rich young ruler. So you have to hit all the Gospels to really get who the characteristic of this guy is. But you know what? Whenever you look at it, you know, he, he had everything. He thought he was doing everything right, you know. The positive things about him right then was that, you know, he was wealthy. You know, he had influence. In Scripture, it says that he might have been a ruler. You know, he was moral and trustworthy. He was young. He had courage. He run up to Jesus in broad daylight. He didn't sneak around in the dark like Nicodemus did to ask him. And yet he was even humble because he come up and he knelt. What it, you know, it tells us that he ran, he fell on his knees before him to talk to him. But all those things didn't give him what he needed. You know, you can be a good person. You know, I, there's a lot of us that we're good people. We do the right things. We obey most of the laws. We obey most of the commandments and we, we do. But none of that makes you worthy but God's grace and his blood. And so that's what, you know, whenever he walked, whenever he run up, he said, what must I do to inherit this eternal life? And as Jesus went through and you heard, you know, he said, you know, no one is good. But he said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And with confidence, he said, I've kept all those things since I was a boy. I've kept all, Jesus, I, I've done this. I'm in. I've got this. But then what does Jesus do? And I think I love this part. You know, in, in, in my Bible, it's highlighted. It said, Jesus looked at him and loved him. It didn't say that Jesus looked at him and gave him that evil eye. It didn't say Jesus immediately started judging him. 
What does it say? It says Jesus loved him. Jesus looked at him and said, I love you. I love you, but it's more to it. This is what you need to do now. Now, you need to take and give everything you have, sell it, and give it to the poor. Then come and follow me. You know, Jesus loved him. Jesus challenged him. You know, is it wrong to have wealth? No, it's not wrong to have wealth, but it's wrong when the wealth has you. Does that make sense? It's wrong whenever that's what controls you. And Jesus looked at him and he knew that, all right, this is going to be a problem for him. This is going to be a problem. This is going to be his God. This is going to take more precedence in his life than I am. So you need to remove that. You know, and I'll be real honest, in Johnny Morgan's life, for a long time, I chased the American dream. You know, got out of high school, was in trade school, met Tammy, we started dating, we got married, started working, started our family, got into a career and said, you know something, I want to make the, best, the most money I can make, I want to be the best that I can be in this profession to provide for my family. And all at once... That went to here, and God was right here for several years. And a lot of you have heard my story. It wasn't until 2009 when I got laid off. Because, you know, I was doing, in my mind, I was doing what God was calling me to do. I was serving here. I was in ministry, and I was doing what God wanted. And, you know, if we get real honest, and again, I don't tell a lot of deep personal stories about myself but even back then, I was probably tithing more than what the church was paying me because I was part-time here. But that wasn't what God wanted. And so on April 2nd, 2009, when I walked in and Joey Reynolds looked at me and he said, we have no work, I've got to send you home and there's no hope of coming back. Right then, in my head, I'd been telling God for years, you have my finances, but really he didn't. And on that day, he did. And he provided for me. And it was, and when you look, when I look backwards in my life, you know, God's always been there. And he was always there in a big way. But I was always what I would tell you about 95%. Does that make sense? I was about 95% of giving him everything. But I still held on to a little. And that's where he was at. You know, when you look at this rich young ruler... He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But what if we had changed that? What if he would have said, what must I be? Not what must I do, but what, what do I need? You know, what does my personality need to be? What does my characteristics need to be? What is the things that mean need to change? You know, there was a reason that God challenged him. There's a reason that he looked at him and he loved him. And he said, you need to go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You know, he put it out there to where he could understand it. Sure, he could say, you know, I honored my father and mother. Sure, I've never committed adultery. Sure, I've never committed murder. But now whenever it really gets into the nitty-gritty of what you have to do, you know, because here's the thing, we're all independent till the bottom falls out, and then immediately we turn to God. Think about it. You know, we, we can handle our life, we can handle our life until we lose everything, and then we say, all right, God, now I need you. Now, God, I need you to become number one in my life. God, I, I need you to help me through this. 
You know, because the reality is Jesus knows all of us. He knows all of our issues. He knows what we need. He knows what we need to be doing. And he knows that we can't have two masters. Because what does he tell us in scripture? You're either going to serve me or you're going to serve money. You're either going to serve me or you're going to serve other things. And so he tells us we have to serve just him. And so right here we learn a lot when we look at what he tells us, this rich young ruler. You know, whenever he looks and he says, look, you need to go take and get rid of everything so that you can follow me. You need to just give it all away. Do whatever you got to do. Get it out of your life. To give him all that we have or hurt more than we can imagine. To really say, all right, God, I'm giving you everything. God, I'm going to give you everything. God, I want you to take everything. God, I want to serve you 100%. Think about what our life would look like. But hear this. To receive all God has for you, you have to give him all that you have. To receive every blessing that God has for us, we have to be willing to give God everything we got. And that means that we don't hold on to anything. And that hurts. I'll be the first one to tell you that hurts. You know, it hurts to walk away from a good income. It hurts to walk away from a good living. In my mind, pre-2009, I would have told you that I could have been the best student minister in this area part-time and still work part-time in engineering making good money. In my mind, that's what I was thinking. But it wasn't until I had to give up everything that he changed my life radically even more. Now, me and Tammy get excited. You know, I've, some of y'all have heard, you know, Peyton bought her own car. My youngest one bought her own car. She come off our insurance. And our insurance went from four or $500 a month to $250 a month. That's an instant raise. Jerry, you hadn't got there yet. You got three coming. And so that's an instant raise in your household when you get that money back. But then... This week, Tammy was talking to our insurance people, and because of all this COVID stuff and insurance are giving discounts now, our insurance bill in June was $88. That's a win for the Morgan house, you know? That's, a, that's two more trips to Dukes that we can make. That's what I'm thinking. But you know, whenever we give it all to God, we didn't hold nothing back. And God's been blessing, and he's been blessing, and he's been blessing. But it took me getting driven to my knees to get to that point in my life. So here's a question for you. How are you doing with God's expectations of you? See, this rich young ruler, when he run up to Jesus, he had expectations. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He had an expectation from Jesus to tell him, all right, you need to do this, this, and this, and then you're going to spend eternity with me. But a lot of times we don't think, what's the expectation that God has from us? His expectation for him was that he had to go give everything up. That he had to go and sell everything he had. He had to give everything away. And once he did that, then he could come follow. Everybody sitting in this room this morning, there's expectations on our lives from God. And are we living up to those expectations? I think a lot of times we run through our day with blinders on like this. Because if I don't see what's happening over there, then I don't have to do it. 
And some of us do it. We even got our fingers and our ears too. So we don't have to hear from God. We don't have to see the peripheral. We just keep doing what we're doing. But God has an expectation and he wants us to live a certain way for him. And today's about us, but I'm going to plug. When we get us right, then what's going on all around us is going to be fixed. But we have to focus on us. There's nothing wrong with the American dream when we put it in front of God. But when we put that American dream in front of God, that's where the problem comes in. You know, and, and so when it looks at it, you know, and I want to keep going back to this one in verse um. In verse 21, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Hear those words. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Say that right now. <coughs> out loud, you just say it out loud. Jesus loves me. Say it like you mean it. Jesus loves me. Jesus looks at us and he loves us. But there's an expectation. He wants us to put him first. He wants us to give up everything else. And when we do that, it hurts. And when we do that, that's not what we want. And we'll justify and we'll say, God, I've worked my entire life for this. But it's kind of like when you climb to the top of the ladder and you realize when you get there, the ladder's on the wrong building. Sometimes we've built our life on the wrong thing. God wants us. He wants us. Father, we come right now, Lord, just to say that we love you. Father, and I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you, Father, for, Father, for having expectations on our lives. Father, you expect us to love you. Father, you expect us to follow the commands. Father, this morning, Father, I ask. Father, this morning I beg that you show us our hearts. Father, show us our hearts in a way that only, only you can show us. Father, and if there's things in our lives, Father, that we need to remove. Father, if there's things in our lives that we need to take um, out of the place that they're in. Father, to move you to the top. Father, that we'll do that. Father, because we can't expect changes and everything around us and not change ourselves. So, Father, today, Father, grow us, Father, into what you want us to be. Not what America wants us to be. Not what our spouse wants us to be. Not what our family wants us to be. Not what our friends want us to be. Not what our job wants us to be, Father, but what you want us to be. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. In your son's name. I'm going to ask you to stand.